words have power, words mean things, and we can't always get them back, right? Uh, our, our words have an effect on those that we speak to, and many times uh, we have trouble being careful about the words that we use. Yet, uh, as we've say, seen in this series the last couple of weeks, Matthew 12, especially Jesus says, uh, among other things, that on Judgment Day, we will give an account for every careless word spoken. And then I picture all those feathers going everywhere, and I swallow hard and feel a little convicted. I don't know about you. We've been looking at the power of words. Uh, according to British writer, actor, and Scrabble fanatic, uh, Giles Brandreth, uh, the average person speaks approximately 860,341,500 words in a lifetime. I don't know if you've been counting yours or not, or where you are on that. Uh, now, this was back in uh, 20, 30 years ago uh, when he uh, when he had estimated this. Some say that that number has dwindled uh, over the last little bit because uh, we have uh, we have other opportunities for using our words. We're not just speaking our words anymore, but we have email and we have uh, social media and we have other ways of uh, of expressing ourselves. But just for some perspective, uh, what does 860.3 million words look like? Well, it would be like speaking the entire text of the 20-volume Oxford English Dictionary more than 14 and a half times in your lifetime. Or uh, speaking the equivalent of the entire 32-volume Encyclopedia Britannica almost 20 times. Encyclopedias for you kids, they're books that we used to have that, um, that you could Google and, no, anyway. No. Or it would be like taking your Bible and over the course of your lifetime, reading it through cover to cover over 1,100 times, 1,100, that's, uh, that's 860 plus million words in a lifetime. That's a lot of opportunity that we have to be careless, right? We have a lot of words that are coming out. Uh, I think that's one reason why in James, uh, uh, Scripture says that, that those that uh, would, would be teachers or leaders are going to be judged more strictly because they're using a lot more words and they're influencing more people. So that, again, that puts another layer of, uh, of conviction upon myself as well. But uh, sometimes it's not an issue of carelessness, though. So uh, we we talk about the carol, we'll give an account for every careless word spoken, but sometimes we mean to, right? We intentionally use our words to hurt or destroy or devalue or tear down. Again, in the book of James chapter 3, the, our tongue is described as a restless evil full of deadly poison. What we say matters because words have power. Last week was all about complaining. Some of you didn't like that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Get, see what I did there? That was, <laughs> no, actually, I, I was blown away. I, never before has there been that much response uh, to me personally to a message. I don't know, it was, uh, you know, not all positive, I guess. Some of you were, no, none of, uh, you know, it, I don't, we must have a lot of complainers. I don't know. No, we must have, it must be striking a chord, some of the, these issues. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it was, it was kind of fun. And it was also kind of fun, or maybe convicting, to, um, to be thinking about this week, uh, the times when, when I would catch myself complaining. Um, spouses, just a suggestion, don't try to catch your spouse complaining and point it out to them. 
that's probably a whole other sermon series, but, uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we can look, wait for the right time. I hope you've been successful this week in, and over the last few weeks about uh, thinking about the words that you're using, uh, especially in the, in the realm this past week of complaining and negativity. I hope you've been praying that prayer that, that, uh, that, that uh, I've challenged you to pray from Psalm 1914. Go ahead and put that up there. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. We said that uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're meditating on the things that please God, then the words that we we use will also please God, and I hope that you're continuing to pray that prayer as a, as a habit, not just as a mantra that you quote, but as a habit. I, I, I've been, um, it's, it's been uh, kind, of, kind of fun, I, I know more than one occasion I've kind of recognized the, the Holy Spirit kind of put a muzzle on me or changed my words or t- changed my tone or whatever over the last couple of weeks, and, and that's been neat. I also know that, uh, that in hindsight I have uh, not allowed the words of my mouth to be pleasing to God at times. Uh, and I'm guessing that that's the case for all of us because it is so hard to tame our tongues. So last week was all about complaining. And as you no doubt caught from the videos we just saw, uh, today I want to look at gossip and criticism. Now you know what I heard. Oh, I'm just kidding. Gossip and criticizing other people is, is widespread, right? I, I, I mean, people have been denigrating each other for centuries. And many, peop- many times we, we tear down people who aren't like us, uh, people who look differently or, or act differently or, or, or don't share the same values as, as we do. Uh, people are cruel and they use cruel words. They say cruel things. It's, it's not good, but it's not uncommon. We, we know what we're talking about here. We recognize it. We see it all the time. From racism to bigotry to, to, to calling names on recess to spreading rumors to just talking about things we have no business discussing, criticism and gossip seem to happen all the time. And unfortunately, the church is not immune to that. Many times, in the name of standing up for holiness and morality, the church has denigrated those outside its walls. Or just as common, the church runs off those within its walls who maybe don't live up to the standards that we think they should. We have a reputation at times for eating our own, so to speak. Instead of uh, of grace, many times the church is known for judgment and shaming people. Or or just being gossipy or, or hypocritical. And prayer meetings turn into gossip sessions. Of course, over, over the last 10 plus years, 15, 20, however long, uh, social media and the internet and all of that has given us a whole new way to co- uh, communicate criticism and to be cruel. Uh, it's easier to spew venom at others when you're behind a screen or, or typing with your thumbs than it is face to face. Cyberbullying is a threat. Uh, we hear that especially with our students, but it's not just with them as well. It's with all of us, whether it's in person or, or, or on a screen or, or behind our backs, criticism and gossip can damage. Sometimes it's irreparable damage. If anyone has ever insulted you or spread rumors about you or talked badly about you, then you know exactly how damaging and harmful those words can be. 
They can destroy a person's self-confidence. They can change how we, how we see ourselves. Many times it leads to depression, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders, anxiety, many other negative things just simply by words that are spoken to us or about us. Of course, these harmful words can alienate friends and, and, and ruin reputations and, and break up relationships and split churches. Uh, criticism and gossip do not lead to anything good. I... I ran across this, who am I, statement this week. Who am I? I have no respect for justice. I maim without killing. I break hearts and ruin lives. I am cunning and malicious and gather strength with age. The more I am quoted, the more I am believed. I flourish at every level of society. My victims are helpless. They cannot protect themselves against me because I have no face. To track me down is impossible. The harder you try, the more elusive I become. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it is never the same. I topple governments, wreck marriages, and ruin careers, cause sleepless nights, heartaches, and indigestion. I spawn suspicion and generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. I am gossip. I I think we'd probably all agree, you probably get it. Gossip, slander, criticism, uh, all of that is, is wrong and it has awful consequences. But at the same time, those things are many times, as, as with a lot of things, many times those things are a whole lot easier to see in other people than they are to, to own for ourselves. Usually we can justify talking about someone because we're genuinely concerned about them, right? So we'll talk about the situation. Or we say, well, you know what, if, if they were here right now, I'd, I'd say this anyway, you know. Or, you know, I just, I just need to vent. I just need to get this out. I know I shouldn't, but I just need to. So I, I want us to, uh, to take a, a minute here, first off, to evaluate our own words to make sure that, uh, that we're not misusing them in, in, in these ways. And so uh, maybe to, to get a little bit of a concept or, or rein in, what are we talking about here when we're talking about gossip and, and the like? Uh, I like Pastor Rick Warren's definition uh, of how we can know when we're gossiping. When we are talking about a situation with someone who is neither part of the problem nor part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. So we've got a problem with a person and instead of going to them, we're talking about it and we're talking about it to other people and these people aren't, can't help the situation and they're not a part of it, then that's probably a good chance that we, that's probably a good filter to put on, put on our, our conversation. And so as we're thinking about this, how do I use my words well? Well, okay, in this situation, oh, am I talking about the situation with someone who's neither part of the problem nor the solution? If, if, if I am doing that, then, uh, then quit it. <laughs> uh, shut up about it. Obviously, uh, if we're cutting someone down, if we're criticizing a person, uh, if, we're, if we're not just trying to deal with behavioral issues or deal with a, a, what someone has done, maybe that's, uh, that's been negative or wrong, but now we're denigrating the person themselves, obviously that is, is, uh, is stepping over that, that line. Uh, if you find yourself avoiding someone because you think they might find out what you said about them, um, then that would be a great indication that you probably shouldn't have ever said it in the first place. And gossip is not just about the spinster lady who shares the latest juicy gossip over the back fence. That's kind of the the picture that we get. Uh, Gossip, as we saw in the video, can look like a prayer request, right? Uh, We really need to pray for so-and-so. It can be that uh, that, that the... um, 
the person who, who just doesn't know how to, how to be quiet. Uh, and they just keep talking about things that they don't necessarily, maybe they're not even involved, but they just, they just keep talking. And sometimes you just need to not say as much. Sometimes a, a gossip sounds like, man, I, I'm just telling the truth. And it might be true. But we're talking about the situation to the wrong people at the wrong time in the wrong ways. For others, gossip is all about having the latest news. Maybe it's not all that big of a deal, but, but I'm, I'm trying to prop myself up by having the latest news and, and, uh, and, and allowing you to think that I'm on the inside and I've got, I've got it, uh, I'm in the know. And sometimes gossip has less to do with what I say and more with my listening, right? Sometimes gossip is all about the listening. You, you're not saying a whole lot, but you're loving soaking it in, right? Ooh, tell me more, right? We're participating in that. Uh, uh, maybe you're, you're watching TMZ for the latest on celebrities behaving badly, or, or you're drawing conclusions about the people and the stories that you've heard about. Oh, well, if they did that, I bet that... Uh, uh, you're reading the, those magazines at the checkout line. Uh, you know, you see them, right? Oh, I never buy that. No, but you're reading them, right? You're, you're, you're digging in. Uh, gossip isn't just in the telling, it's also in the listening, it's in the consuming. Both of those things are involved. Quite a few verses in the Bible. You don't have to look far to, uh, to find verses that mention uh, gossip and, uh, and its, uh, its uh, bad, uh, bad consequences, bad behavior. Uh, words about, uh, or verses about uh, criticism and slander and all those kinds of things. And, and whenever uh, the Bible talks about it, it's never positive. Uh, just a few proverbs, and again, the proverbs uh, are, are full of, uh, of these warnings about gossip. Just a few to, to, uh, to read today. Proverbs 16.28 says, A perverse person stirs up conflict and a gossip separates close friends. In 11.13, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Uh, 2019, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. There we go. We could just take that one and, and put that in your pocket and leave right now. That's gold right there, right? 2620, without wood, a fire goes out. Love this. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. We like to just keep those fires burning, don't we? Uh, Proverbs 18.8 says, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Choice morsel. I, I love that word picture about gossip because they can really taste good at the time. I, I think that's why we call it juicy gossip, right? Because, ooh, ooh, that's a... But they go down to the inmost parts, especially those who we're gossiping about. They cause damage. And, and that gets to one of the main reasons why we should avoid gossip. What's the big deal? Well, one big thing that gossip does is that it causes division instead of unity. Uh, as we just saw there, uh, gossip separates close friends. God desires us to be unified, to be in good relationship with each other, and especially in the church, right? We are, we are called to love one another. Uh, we're supposed to love each other as Jesus has loved us. Uh, and, and so if we're talking about each other, if we're criticizing each other, if we're slandering each other, then, then we're known not for love, but we're known for division and not unity. God desires us to be unified, to be in good relationship. If the church is divided, we lose our influence. And if the church, if followers of God are known primarily for being judgmental and hypocritical and divisive and not love, 
then this world will not be one to the kingdom of God. Perhaps one of the uh, biggest temptations and one of the one of the biggest uh, ways that uh, that that the the devil and and sin can influence us in the church to bring us down to to get rid of our effectiveness is this issue of causing division and not unity of 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 breaking these relationships and many times that happens through the words that we share and and uh, and so we need to watch out. In another uh, place in, in Scripture, it says that, um, that, that we need to not let the devil have a foothold. Sometimes gossip and slander is that foothold that uh, is just hanging on just enough, just a little wedge, wedge of crack in there and can cause great division and ruin the influence of, of the people of God. Once was a woman uh, named Harriet. She was the self-appointed supervisor of the church's morals and was known as the church gossip. And she kept sticking her nose into other people's business. Several, uh, several people were uh, unappreciative of her activities, but they were afraid of her and her influence, and so they didn't say anything. But she made a mistake when, when George began coming to the church, and she uh accused him and started spreading the rumor that George was an alcoholic after she saw his pickup truck parked all afternoon at the town bar. Others wondered about this. George didn't say a word, uh, but simply walked away. And later that night, George parked his pickup truck in Harriet's driveway and left it there all night. Some of you just got, there we go, okay, good. That, that's, a, that's a funny story, but uh, today I want you to know how seriously God takes matters of, of gossip. It might be a bit of a shock to see uh, where these, uh, the, the, the sin of gossip is listed. Uh, throughout Scripture, uh, there are many places where, where, uh, where we find lists of sins, Right, and uh, and so I wanted to read just a couple of those today to to help you see the gravity of how God uh, treats or looks at uh, gossip and slander and and all the rest. Second Corinthians chapter twelve verses twenty and twenty one. Uh, it says, "For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, faction, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged." Gossip right in the middle there. Romans chapter 1, another place, beginning in verse 28. Furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They are senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but they also approve of those who practice them." 
in these lists, uh, gossip, gossips and critical people are, are keeping company with what we would consider some, some of the biggies, right? Some of the big sins and uh, things that, that we, would, uh, we would think are pretty bad. Now, although God doesn't have a, a hierarchy of sins, we do. And, uh, and we think about uh, some, well, it's not all that bad to do, but it's... So, so, there's everything here from arrogance and outbursts of anger to murder and varying degrees of sexual sin. And, and in case we miss the point here, the, the, the list in Romans includes uh, every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Uh, Paul mentions gossipers and slanderers in the same breath as God-haters and people who invent ways of doing evil. Remember, Matthew chapter 12 says we have to give a, an account on the day of judgment for every careless word spoken. It would, since we're giving an account to God, it would probably be uh, pretty smart for us to, to figure out how God views the words that we use and what he thinks is, is good or bad. And he doesn't have a very high view of gossip and slander and criticism. But why? Uh, what's, what's the big deal? We, we've looked a little bit of, at the, the, the divisiveness of that, the way that it tears down and, and hurts people. But some might say, well, I have the right to say whatever I want. And uh, you can take it the way you want to take it. If you want to own that, fine. If you don't, fine. Uh, what, what's the big deal? I mean, uh, really the big deal, the root of gossip and criticism and slander and all the rest is, uh, is that root of sin and selfishness. Let's step back for just a second. Jesus said that the most, uh, the most important commandments all had to do with love, right? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, following God is focused on God, uh, 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 focused on love, serving God and serving others, not just looking out for myself. If we look at sin, uh, it's all about looking at after myself. Uh, greed, uh, if we look at some of the sins in these, in these lists, uh, greed is selfish. Envy is selfish. Uh, if I'm boastful or arrogant or disobedient, uh, the list could go on and on. All of them are rooted in selfishness. I'm doing what I want to do, not what's best for everyone. And the same is, about is true about critical speech. We talk about and we criticize others in order to elevate or to, uh, to feel better about ourselves. I'm not loving God or neighbor when I'm criticizing and gossiping. I'm loving myself. And so if our mouths speak, as, as again in Matthew 12, if our mouths speak what our heart is full of, and we find ourselves talking about and criticizing others, then our hearts are not full of love for God and love for others. We are self-centered. I want my heart to be God-centered. So getting rid of this kind of speech starts with the heart. Asking God to tame your tongue is asking him to change your heart. That's really the only way that change can happen here. I, I mean, again, it says in, in James that, that the tongue is a, a, a ruthless evil, full of deadly poison. Uh, it says that no human being can tame the tongue. No, it's only God changing our hearts. And out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so as our hearts are changed, our, our, our vocabulary, our conversation, our words change. And that's the only way that it can really happen. I mean, I can, I can preach about changing your words and avoiding negative forms of speech, and, and you could even want to, and you can, you can start to, to take some of the pointers and tips that we give and, and say, yeah, okay, well, I need to not do that. And you can catch yourself, and probably you'll do a little better, probably only for a little while, um, but it won't be long-term unless you let God change your heart. Uh, again, Pastor Rick Warren uh, 
I heard him say just this week, laws can regulate behavior, but laws can't change your heart. You can pass laws that say no more bigotry, no more racism, and you can stop people from acting in racist ways, but no law is going to change a bigot into a lover. Only Jesus can do that. With these issues with our words, we're not just interested in changing behavior. I want you to let God change your heart. We're we're not just biting our tongue while still harboring all those negative, hurtful thoughts. It's not that, okay, well, I really think that they're awful, and uh, boy, I wonder, uh, but I'm just not going to say anything about it. But I'm still harboring all those, those thoughts and feelings about that person or that situation. I'm letting God transform my heart and letting go of that because as our, as our theme verse again says, Matthew 12, 34, your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to change your speech, you have to let God change your heart. And as he does, you'll begin to develop habits and behaviors that please him with your words. And, and it, it is certainly uh, smart for us to start putting some of these habits in place, but knowing that we're still praying that God will change us from the inside out. And as we put those things in, in place, those things work together to form better speech, godly speech, godly conversation. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to your needs to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Does gossip build up? Does cruel criticism benefit those who listen? Uh, Does does those things meet people's needs? No, they're all self-serving. So if we're to build people up, then then we're going to avoid these things. That's probably another filter to put on our our speech, on our tongues. Is this helpful? Does this build someone up? If not, filter it out. We're just not going to say that. Not going to be a part of that. Now, this might be a good time to, um, uh, to recognize that, uh, that there is such a thing as constructive criticism. We, we don't always just have to agree with everyone. Uh, there are things that maybe we need to confront someone about, uh, uh, there, but there are ways of doing it positively. Again, not to tear them down or denigrate them or make them feel less than, but simply to, uh, to, to approach them in, in love, with love as our motive, to build them up. Now, you've, you've been there. I, I know that you have. Uh, you've, you've been out with friends, uh, eating, having a great time, laughing, joking, sharing stories, and, and after you get home, it's late at night, and, and you're getting ready to brush your teeth before bed, and you look in the mirror, and there it is. The biggest, ugliest piece of broccoli right there between your eye tooth and your incisor, right? Right there, right there, right in the front. You've been there. You know what I'm talking about. You're mortified. It's hideous. It's, it, it's awful. You think back to all of the open-mouthed laughter and all of the smiling and the close talking and, and you're mortified and, and you know you had broccoli very early on in the evening so it's been there all night long and, and people would have seen this and then your mortification turns to anger because no one said anything to you, right? You're going, man, they let me keep this in there all night long and nobody said anything. We benefit. It's better. It's good for us. Uh, We benefit from constructive criticism, right? Hey, you got a little something. That's all it would have taken, right? Hey, there's a a little, you know, boy, that looks awful. Do something about it. Or all those friends can go back and say, did you see so-and-so? They had broccoli in their teeth all night long. Can you believe that? 
Proverbs 27, 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. In other words, uh, if we really care about someone, sometimes we'll confront them on things. Or we'll talk about things and not just broccoli in the teeth. Sometimes some pretty serious things. But if we really love them, if we really want what's best for them, we'll find a constructive way to address those. So Ephesians 4.15 uh, says that part of a healthy church is that we will speak the truth in love. And that's a far different thing from gossip or criticism. And really the change, the whole, the whole thing that makes that difference is our motive. I think that's the number one way to determine if we're using our words in a positive way or not. If, if, if we're using our words in a good way, and that is to check your motive. Am I truly speaking out of love for that person? Or is this just coming from selfishness in order to lift myself up? Now, I've, I've given you some pointers over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, things that we can do to, uh, to, to help try to control what we say and, and to avoid uh, the, the, the negative things that we might say. Uh, obviously, obviously, all that is in the context of that deep desire to allow God to change our hearts. And as we, as we uh, try to implement these habits and we pray that God would, would, uh, would put his filter over our, heart, over our hearts and over our words, uh, all that works together. All those pointers that, that, uh, that I've talked about uh, apply still here today to gossip and criticism. Uh, be helpful and gracious in your speech. Uh, edit what you say before you say it. In other words, think about it before you, you say it. Be positive. Uh, as scripture says, be slow to speak. Uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. Uh, one big tip comes from that great theologian of days gone by, Thumper, in the movie Bambi. If you can't say something nice, don't say nothing at all, Right? I think that's uh, a spelling out of the scripture, uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, I've also mentioned a couple filters here today, things to put on your words. If I'm speaking, uh, am I speaking to someone who's part of the problem, part of the solution? If I'm not, shut up. If, uh, if, 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 is this helpful? Is this building someone up? If it, if not, cut it out. A few other things to, uh, to keep in mind, put in the, into practice, just real quick. Uh, prayerfully evaluate if you are a critical person. Uh, this is hard because, again, I said uh, this whole gossip criticism thing, sometimes it's hard to see in the mirror, right? It, it's easy to point out in other people, not so much in ourselves. Sometimes we get so used to certain habits, certain ways of talking, certain, certain inflection, certain, uh, I don't know, even certain people just kind of rub us the wrong way. And so we're just used to, uh, we, we have history with them and things. And, and so that's hard. So, so, so ask God, ask other people, someone you trust and you care about, am I coming off critical in this situation? Am I a critical person? Uh, pay attention. Attention to your conversations. Uh, pray about it. Ask God to convict you if uh, if necessary. Uh, prayerfully consider, prayerfully evaluate if you are a critical person. Uh, keep private matters private. Uh, we, we looked there in in, in Proverbs uh, about this, and it talked about uh, keeping things, uh, uh, keep keeping confidence uh, between friends. And so, so rather than spewing what you know, keep quiet about it if you need to. Avoid gossipers. I think this is a big thing. It comes a whole lot more naturally to gossip when we're around people who are doing that all the time. So avoid those people. Avoid those conversations. Uh, and that also includes uh, the, the media that we consume. If, if, we're, if we're always watching uh, or reading or, uh, or, or whatever, we're consuming the media that is, that is constantly denigrating others and, and uh, putting people down and talking about them and, and uh, can you believe what so-and-so... 
all that is just focusing on that, and it, trans, it changes uh, how we then respond. Avoid gossip. Avoid gossipers. Uh, ask yourself, would I be comfortable if this person walked in the room right now? So I'm talking about this, uh, and if they walked in right now, would I go, oh, I hope they weren't waiting out in the hallway too long. I hope they didn't hear that. Here's three questions, and maybe, maybe this is a, just a great way to do it too. Ask yourself three questions before you say something. Is it true? Is it fair? Is it necessary? Is it true? Is it fair? Is it necessary? Now, it might be true. It, it might be. People do bad things, and we find out about those things. It might be true, but, but is it fair to really talk about that here, now? Is it necessary for us to bring this up, or am I just spewing it just, just for fun? And if you find yourself in a, in a conversation that is trending toward gossip and criticism, people around, and that's, that's a big thing, uh, you say, well, everybody around me is doing it, how do I not do that? Well, uh, just, a, just a few things, Chuck Swindoll says that, that we should say at times, well, can I quote you on that? Somebody's talking gossip and, and you say, well, can I quote you on that? Well, yeah, and they, might, they usually back off. Uh, Matthew 18 talks about, uh, talks about going to the person uh, if we have a problem with them. So have you talked about, uh, talked to, uh, talked with this person about this? Um, or a great thing is, rather than jumping in on the, the gossip, uh, think about, find something positive about that person and just throw that into the conversation. Uh, think about a couple of positive things and, and, and speak to them, speak about them. In that way, uh, one one uh, solution that John Wesley had years ago, he um, found himself criticized. I'm sure on more than one occasion, and um, on one occasion specific, John Wesley, uh, great English preacher of the 1700s, uh, the 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 father of the uh, the Methodist denomination, uh, and and he was considered a rather spiffy dresser. Now I know that doesn't look like that. From, from, from here, but usually we see him in, in black with this uh, little tie thing going on, and, and, and people thought, you know, he, was, he, was, he cared about how he looked. And uh, anyway, after a, after, a ribbon, or after, after a sermon one Sunday, uh, a lady is said to have walked up to, uh, to Wesley, and he's dressed just like this, and he has his tie, these ribbons hanging down, and, and, uh, and, and she said, Brother Wesley, are you open to some criticism? Now, just so you know, that's probably not the thing to say right after a sermon on a Sunday morning. So I'm just, just putting that out there for, for free. Uh, you know, call me on Monday or Tuesday, send an email, whatever. Uh, Brother Pete, are you open to some criticism? Yeah, okay, it's a little too soon, okay? No, I'm just kidding. If you have that, bring it up to me. In a positive way. We'll talk about it. Brother Wesley, are you open to some criticism? He said, I suppose so. What would you like to criticize? And, and she said, the ribbons on your tie are entirely too long and they are inappropriate for a man of God. And she took out a pair of scissors and she snipped them off. People around him, ooh, what's he going to do, you know? And Wesley, after a moment, said, ma'am, may I borrow your scissors? And she handed them to him, and uh, he said, Ma'am, are you open to some criticism? And she said, Well, I suppose. And he said, All right, then, please stick out your tongue. I don't think that's probably the best way to handle everything, except that if we're, if we're going to avoid criticism and gossip and negativity in our own speech, probably the best thing to do is just shut up and say nothing at all, Right? Obviously, through all of these pointers and all of these things, we wouldn't be preaching a sermon about, I wouldn't be preaching a sermon about this if it weren't true. We are far too critical. We are far 
too selfish. We are far too careless with our words. What we say matters. Words are powerful. So I want the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing and acceptable to God, no matter what. Please stand with me. Let's pray. Father God, we again uh, desire your spirit to, uh, to allow your word to take root where it needs to in our lives. Lord, for, for some, uh, perhaps the, these things aren't issues and, and, uh, and, and we're not talking bad about people and, and for others, perhaps, perhaps uh, your spirit needs to convict us in some areas. And so I pray that, that you would do your work in our lives today. Lord, it's our desire to please you, even with what we say. Help us to see the gravity of the situation, that, that words really matter, that they are powerful, and, and we, can, we can either bring death or bring life, and we desire that your life flow through even what we say. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go from here and we find ourselves at, at, uh, at home or, or at a restaurant or at the store or in the neighborhood or, or at work this week or at school this week, Lord, I pray that the words of our mouths would be pleasing and acceptable to you. I pray that we can take the time in, the, in, in, in private that we can recognize that in the times that we spend meditating on things, filling our lives with things, that, that those things would be pleasing and acceptable to you. And that as you transform and change our hearts, that you would transform and change the words that we say to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. You are indeed our rock and our redeemer, and we put our trust and our hope in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.